where are we going, Gilliman? Kate asked. Gilliman leaned in. To the Tower of London. Al's eyes filled with fear. No, not the Tower. Please don't send me to the Tower. Uh, humans go in there, and some never come out alive. Welcome to the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, with your hosts, Max, Liz, and Nigel. This podcast is produced by Playful World Ministries, a department of ACT International. All of the Epic Order of the Seven characters and adventures were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. And I'm your narrator, Denny Brownlee. By the way, as you listen to this episode from the audiobook The Voice, The Revolution, and The Key, keep in mind you can download your very own copy of it by visiting audible.com. That's www.audible.com. And you'll find the entire collection of Jenny L. Cody's Epic Order of the Seven books by going to her website, epicorderoftheseven.com. On today's episode, we'll bring you Chapter 13 from the audiobook The Voice, The Revolution, and The Key. And this just in, today's episode is being invaded. You heard right. There is an invasion taking place as I speak. For more on this breaking Epic Order exclusive, we head to the newsroom and our chief correspondent, Nigel P. Monaco. Greetings, everyone. Well, announcer chap, uh, it's Denny, which is of little importance at the moment. It uh, seldom is. Uh, Nigel, what can you tell us about this reported invasion? I was just about to tell you what I'm about to tell you. At this juncture, little can be said about the impending doom to be inflicted, nor of the extent of the havoc to be wreaked at the hands of this potentially devastating subjugation. Well, for having little to say, you sure said a lot. Did I? Or did I simply convey the tenuous information that shrouds these unsubstantiated yet no doubt dire circumstances? You, uh, you really don't know much about the invasion, do you? Not a clue. But as a seasoned journalist, it is my duty to sound as if I do. And so we'll continue to keep you informed with up-to-the-minute information as we receive it on this day one of Invasion of Chapter 13. Oh, you gave it a name, did you? For Nigel's News Nuggets, I'm Nigel P. Monaco. And for that, I say, well done, Nigel. Actually, our author, Miss Jenny, will be discussing a different kind of invasion a little bit later. But now it's time to bring in our other co-hosts, waiting in the wings and uh, scratching behind the ears. Uh, here's Max and Liz. Uh, bonjour, mes amis. Max, what is wrong? Ah, I can't take it, lass. This itching be driving me batty. Uh, can you take a look back there, then? Uh, oui. Uh, let me see. Uh, oh, no, 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 you, you, you. Ah, what are you seeing, then? You have a tick. Uh, what's a teak? No, a, a teak, a teak attached to his neck. Uh, it would appear to be the common American dog teak. American? Oh, well, I'm glad to hear it's one of our boys. You are not funny, monsieur. Uh, can you get it off, lass? Oh, no, I am not coming near that thing. Uh, well, uh, how about this one on me leg? You have another one? Ew! And I see it has some little friends, too, doesn't he? Oh, good grief, more ticks? Uh, no, these appear to be fleas. Fleas and ticks? Oh, Max, you are being invaded. Did someone say invaded? Hello again, Nigel P. Monaco here on the scene as the reported invasion is now being confirmed and is wreaking havoc all over... Ah, uh, Max. Oh, cool your jets there, Mosey. It's just some fleas and a couple of ticks then. 
Well, old chap, I remember a time, too, when I had a tick. My left whisker used to twitch for no reason at all, and... Not that kind of tick, Nigel. A, a little bug uh, with the little pinchers. <laughs> Aye, a wee blood-sucking little parasite. Well, Max, maybe we need to get you one of those collars. By Jove, that's the ticket. A flea and tick collar. I already got a collar, see? It's got me name and announcer lad's phone number. And maybe even his name? Uh, perhaps. But, Max, that is not a collar to keep away the ticks and fleas. Well, Liz, no offense, but have you seen them flea collars? They're so geeky looking, then. Yeah, and you are such a fashion plate, Max. Well, I. Well, do you like my collar? Indeed, and uh, may I say it looks smashing, my pet. Oh, merci, Nigel, and it keeps away the little bugs, too. Aye, tis true, I be itching and scratching, but I'll not be wearing one of them geeky-looking flea colors, then. Well, the only thing I can think of, then, is to have you dipped, Max. Uh, I beg your pardon? Yeah, we'll just submerge you in a watery solution and just basically drown those little buggers. Uh, submerge? Uh, meaning you go all the way down into the water? Of course. Uh, so, Liz, you say them flea colors are a wee bit more stylish these days for doggies, too? Uh, we, Max. In fact, I already have one for you, Max. I had a feeling you might not want the whole dip thing. <laughs> oh, thanks, lad. Oh, and Mousy be needing one of them, too. I beg your pardon, old boy. I hardly think one of your flea collars will fit my tiny little neck. Well, at least try it on, mon ami. Try it on? Look, I can walk right through it. Uh, it's a wee bit big, then, eh? A wee bit? Look, I can use it for a hula hoop. Oh, your hula hooping is très bien, mon ami. Indeed, but I shan't be wearing it around my neck. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Uh, but if we don't address this uh, invasion now, we'll soon be overrun with fleas and ticks and, well, I'm afraid there's only one thing to do. And what is that, monsieur? I need to call an exterminator. I'm sorry. You'll need to call a what? An exterminator. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Well, I'm not going to call him right now. I mean, we have a story to continue right now. I'll call him later, Nigel. Uh, Nigel? Nigel? Where did he go? He just took off a scurrying as fast as his wee little legs would take him. Huh. I wonder why. Uh, well, anyway, back to The Voice, The Revolution, and The Key. Chapter 13. Another Cato. Another Tragedy. It were inspiring in an uncomfortable sort of way, pondered Al as he, Liz, and Kate walked out into the alley behind the Theatre Royal. Cato were a hero, the way he took care of his family and friends so angry Caesar wouldn't hurt them when he arrived with his army, Kate added. Still, it were sad when he died. Liz nodded. Oui, the loss of life and liberty is not an easy thing to see. But at least Cato comes back to life for the humans every time they perform the play, Al pointed out as he jumped from cobblestone to cobblestone as if he were playing a game of hopscotch. Cato comes back to life. Hmm. Liz repeated aloud. When they reached the corner, there was a flurry of activity with fancy carriages lining up to transport their distinguished guests home from the theater. I guess you best hide on the prince's coach to get home, Kate suggested. That won't be necessary, came the voice of Gilliman. Hide under my cloak and come get in my carriage. 
All three of you. We're making a side trip. Liz, Kate, and Al looked at one another with excitement before doing as Gilliman instructed. As his carriage pulled up, the footman eagerly opened the door. Gilliman held out his cloak to cover the steps as the animals climbed into the ornate carriage. The footman closed the door and tapped on it to signal the driver to take off. Gilliman rested his hands atop his decorative cane. "'How did you like the play, little ones?' "'It was tragic, just like the human said it would be,' Al told him, batting at the dangling fringe that swayed as the carriage took off. "'A tragedy, we, oui, but it was a splendid way to bring the historical character of Cato to life for humans. Hearing him speak helps them to understand who he was and what he did,' Liz added. "'I wanted you to see the play for yourself and understand the impact it has had on humans for decades,' Gilliman told her. "'You may be interested to know that Addison started writing Cato back in 1687, when he was just a student at Oxford. He never meant for it to be brought to the stage, but as you can see, the play is wildly popular and will soon grow even more so in the colonies.' Clary and I have arranged for David Henry to write to John about it. Wait, Gilliman, where is Clary? wondered Kate, looking around the carriage. She is driving the carriage, Gilliman answered with a smile. We need to make a secret stop, so I let my usual driver go for the night. Where are we going, Gilliman? Kate asked. Gilliman leaned in. To the Tower of London. Al's eyes filled with fear. No, not the tower. Please don't send me to the tower. Uh, humans go in there, and some never come out alive. He started panicking, holding his head out the window to get some air. Oh, Albert, only a few humans have been executed there, Liz told him, putting her paw on his back. More have been executed on Tower Hill, but even those horrible deaths are not as common as the humans make it sound. The tower is a prison, but also a royal palace, armory, and even a treasury to hold the crown jewels, no? And my fellow Norman, William the Conqueror, built the tower after he invaded England. Uh, aye, but more dogs and cats have died there than humans. Kate said with a growl, "'To feed the lions!' Liz's eyes grew wide. "'What do you mean?' Kate furrowed her brow. "'When the Romans died out from Britain, some Roman habits didn't die with them. The humans have a menagerie of animals at the tower, and the royals allow the common humans of London to come see them. But while the Romans offered their games for free at the Colosseum, the humans of London have to pay with either three halfpence or... She paused with a gulp. Bring a cat or a dog to be fed to the lions. Liz's face filled with horror. I did not know this. Uh, Gilliman, is this true? Why would you take us there? Indeed, what Kate says is true, Gilliman answered with a frown. There is another tragedy besides Cato happening in London. These exotic animals have been brought here to London as royal gifts from other nations. For the King of England to own such rare animals is a sign of power, for it shows the King's influence around the world. 
Al jumped down to cling to Gilliman's legs, shaking with fear. Deja vu, just like Rome, he whined in a muffled voice. It's like a mini news arc inside the menagerie, Kate offered. There'll be lions, tigers, leopards, jaguars, cheetahs, hyenas, bears, elephants, baboons, zebras, llamas, macaws, cockatoos, cranes, pelicans, owls, sea eagles, raccoons, alligators, boa constrictors, anacondas, rattlesnakes, and even a Japanese civet. Just like a friend Bang from the Animalympics in Rome. Do this civet have fireworks too? Al asked, looking up. Maybe he could set them off so all the beasties could escape. Gilman looked Liz in the eye. Do you remember your anguish in Rome about the animals used for sport by the Romans? Oui. I just dreamed of this last night. It was the same night you told me about Cato for the first time. Liz answered somberly. Well, just as you had one night to free the animals in Rome, you will get to free one creature tonight, Gilliman explained. Why just one? Kate asked sadly. The escape of this one creature must be so secret that the humans never know why we are really there, Gilliman explained. The tower is heavily guarded. Sadly, if we tried to free all the animals... They would likely be killed to prevent their escape into the streets of London. But take heart, Liz. Although these animals are sometimes used for games, most of them are used simply for display, so at least their lives are not all in danger. Aye, some animals even have nicknames, like a Virginian horned owl named Hopkins, Kate added. The lions there be named Marco, Phyllis, Nero... Jenny and Nanny. Liz's eyes brimmed with tears. It saddens me to think about these animals locked up away from their homes. Kate mentioned a Virginian horned owl. So there are creatures from America in the tower? Yes, animals have been brought to the tower from many countries, including America. Gilliman picked up Al to stroke his fur for comfort. And we shall free one of those American creatures tonight. The sea eagle Kate mentioned is a baby bald eagle. He fell out of his nest in Philadelphia before he could learn to fly. Some British explorers found him and brought him back to England on a ship. He is growing quickly, but is not learning how to be an eagle. Oh, quel dommage, Liz replied with a paw to her chest. This is sad for the eaglet. But why save this one, Gilliman? I need you to take him back to Virginia with you. Max and Nigel will soon return to Studley with Patrick Henry. Uncle Langlou encouraged Patrick to study the family of eagles there. Patrick will not only help this baby eagle, but one day this eagle will return the favor, Gilliman explained. Liz was puzzled. But how can I bring him with me through the Iamosphere? He will know about our secret time portal. Gilliman reached into his pocket and pulled out a small black bag. He won't see where he is, and he won't remember the instantaneous passage. You will arrive in the forest at Studley, just as Patrick returns. Nigel already has plans to chat with the eagles there. All will be well, Liz. Je comprends.
I will do as you say, Guillemon, Liz replied. The carriage stopped, and Clarie jumped down to open the door. She was in the form of a young man dressed in the livery of a gentleman's coachman. We're here. So how are we supposed to break him out? Kate asked. Gilliman set Al on the opposite seat and threw his cloak over himself for a moment. When he lifted it, his clothes had changed into those of a yeoman warder, a royal guard. He smiled and lifted a set of keys. I'll walk right in and get him. You mean we get to stay here? Al asked, with a voice trembling in relief. We don't have to go to the tower ourselves? Gilliman chuckled. <laughs> yes, Al, you and Kate can stay here with Clarie, but tell Liz farewell. I will send her back to Virginia from the tower. And I'll take you two back home, Clarie offered, mussing the fur on Al's head. Liz, I'll see you soon. Al's lip trembled. Sure, and I don't like that option either. He gave Liz a hug. I loved having you with me for a day, but sorry I did turned out so tragic, lass. Au contraire, I would not call it tragic, mon cher. Borrowing a book from the Royal Library, seeing a play at the theatre, and helping a creature to escape the Tower of London? I would call a date such as this exciting. Liz kissed Al on the nose, making him break out in a goofy grin. A biento. Gilliman carried Liz down the stone-walled corridor that was illuminated with torches hanging on the dank walls. He looked behind him and whispered into Liz's ear, The other guards thought I was bringing you as food for the lions. Liz smiled coyly. You say only knew that this was really a prison break. Her smile faded as they passed the animals locked up in cages. C'est tragique, Gilliman. I wish we could free them all. I know, but at least we will give liberty to one, Gilliman responded, stopping as they came to a darkened cage. Liz looked up and saw a small eagle with his brown head drooping as he leaned against the wall with his yellow talons curled under him. Soft, downy feathers were scattered around him. He had grown long brown feathers speckled with white. Gilliman, he looks so sad. He will die if he stays in this prison, Gilliman replied, setting Liz down on the stone next to the cage. Liberty or death, Liz said quietly. Gilliman opened the cage and reached in to get the bird. The eaglet didn't even try to fight against him. Don't be afraid, little one. We're getting you out of here and taking you back to America. The eaglet's eyes moistened, and his small voice cracked. Home? You're taking me home? Oui. I will take you there myself, mon ami. Liz told him, her eyes also welling up with tears. My name is Liz. Can you hide in this black bag for a little while until we carry you out of this prison? The eaglet nodded his head and stepped into the bag Gilliman had opened for him. Gilliman closed the top of the bag. We'll leave by a different gate, he told Liz. Walk along beside me, and I'll distract the guards while you slip out underfoot. Where we're headed is dark, so I don't think they'll see you. Liz nodded and followed Gilliman down the darkened corridor. As they walked along, 
They passed a cage where Liz noticed a flea-bitten, forlorn female gray cat. Her ear was torn, and one eye was puffy. Her heart fell to see a fellow feline in such a sad state. She locked eyes briefly with the cat, who looked at her with great hopelessness. When they turned a corner, a guard stopped Gilman. You there! I haven't seen you here before! I'm on temporary assignment, Gilman explained. Well, we need a new guard, the other guard said, revealing a missing upper tooth. The other night guard died on the spot. They think it was something he ate. As Gilliman carried on a brief conversation with the guard, Liz looked up at Gilliman and then sneaked back around the corner to the cage where the sad cat was locked up. Shh, be very quiet. I'm going to help you escape, Liz told the cat. You're saving me? The astonished cat whispered with a Greek accent. The humans are going to feed me to the lions in the morning. Horrified, Liz listened to make sure Gilliman was still talking to the other guard. She furrowed her brow. Liberty or death, I must not permit that to happen. As she fiddled with the lock, she looked into the eyes of the cat. I am Liz. What is your name, and how did you get here, mon ami? My name is Kakia. The cat replied in a hoarse whisper. The humans named me when they threw me on a ship from Greece so I could kill the rats on board while they transported a lion for the British king. She spat. <sighs> Misotosanthropus. I hate humans. <sighs> I can understand your hatred for humans, Liz whispered, fiddling with the lock. I almost have it. If only Albert would hear with his iron claw. Finally, she opened the lock. You are free. Hurry now and get away from this place. Kakia escaped the cage and looked Liz in the eye. If Caristo, thank you. Where should I go? Where are you going with that human? Liz bit her lip. She knew she couldn't take Kakia with her. Go down to the wharf behind the tower and escape on a ship to America. You will be safe and happy there. Uh, come quietly and follow me out the gate. They turned the corner, and Liz stopped to make sure the coast was clear. She pointed to Gilliman and hesitated. He is not what you think. We are helping another creature to escape, a baby eagle. I do not have time to explain. Kakia looked around Liz to the black bag Gilliman was holding. Ipulos, sneaky, I like it. Thank you again, Liz. I won't forget this. Gilliman tapped his foot, and Liz knew she needed to hurry. Go, Kakia, she said as she pushed the cat. Kakia ran out the gate and into the night. Liz slipped out after her and waited for Gilliman. Good night, then. I'll see you later, the other guard told Gilliman. Gilliman put a finger to his hat. Uh, of course. Uh, thank you. Uh, good night. He stepped out the gate, and the guard locked it behind him. Gilliman then carried the eaglet out of the Tower of London. Gilliman scrolled to find the panel of Studley Plantation. They had entered the Iamosphere as soon as they were clear of the main tower gate. There wasn't time for Liz to tell Gilliman what had happened with Kakia, and she figured it didn't matter anyway. Clary will act as courier, 
and deliver the copy of Plutarch's Lives that you picked up for Patrick at Kew, Gilliman told Liz as he handed the black bag to her. There is also a note from a very pleased Mr. Gilliman, who hopes Patrick will put as much practice into his studies as he puts into his fiddle. Liz beamed and gently cradled the bag. Bon, that will be the perfect encouragement for John Henry to tutor Patrick at home. I will not have to write an anonymous letter after all. The baby eagle cried from inside the bag. Shh, do not cry, little one. Just a moment more and I will have you back to America. Liz assured him, listening to the eaglet's soft cries. Gilliman, what is his name? Gilliman smiled warmly as he prepared to send her back to the forest at Studley. He doesn't have one. Liz wrapped her paws around the black sack and lifted her head with honor and determination as Gilliman hit the panel. His name will be Cato. Aye, lass, that were nice how you named him after that Cato the younger fella. So I guess you could say the wee eagle lad could be Cato the even younger. <laughs> <laughs> Tweby and Max, uh, uh, but speaking of wee little fellows, have you seen Nigel? Uh, no, haven't. Uh, maybe he's in his wee newsroom, finding out more about the invasion. Of course, I got to say then, if you're talking about fleas and ticks invasion, well, me itching and scratching be much better after putting on me new color. Well, I'm so glad to hear that, uh, but I need to go find Nigel. Uh, can you keep this show going? Aye, lass. Uh, uh, the schedule says we need to head to Ginny's Corner because she's got news about the invasion, too. Uh, well, so, uh, hello, Miss Ginny? Max, I understand you have a question for me. Uh, aye, lass. Uh, what do you know about the invasion, then? Sometimes characters invade my book that I wasn't planning to write. Oh, so your invasion is just about a surprise character that comes popping into the story then, huh? And it happened in this chapter? Uh, with which character then? With young Cato the bald eagle. Aye? You really didn't see him coming then, huh? Well, how did that happen then? I was writing right along, and as I was doing research, as I told you about the king and the palaces and the Tower of London, I could not believe the menagerie of real exotic animals that were there in the Tower of London. And when I read that they had a sea eagle, many animals came from America, including a sea eagle, which can be another name for a bald eagle. It just became very evident as I was going along that this bald eagle wanted badly to be in my book. So this chapter originally kind of again, wasn't on the outline, and it came together, and I had to do some maneuverings to kind of violate the ionosphere rules, in a way, for transport of young Cato. But it was really fun, and of course, you're seeing the development of another plotline happening with another character that Liz encounters. But sometimes the things that we don't plan on in books end up being the best part of the book. Later, when I was writing the scene of liberty or death in St. John's Church, I was debating if I needed to just delete this character and not put it in there because the book was getting so long and so forth. And some very magical things happened that I'll tell you later on about Cato the Bald Eagle. But this was his debut, and I'm so glad that I met him there in the Tower of London. Aye, lass, me too. 
He were a fine bird. I'm glad he uh, invaded then. Thanks, Miss Jenny. But I'm afraid we have another invasion going on here, and it's time for Nigel's news nuggets. But uh, poor Mousy took off running and is nowhere to be found. Oh, contraire, Max, I have found Nigel. Oh, great, where? I do not know. Uh, but you just said... I know. I have made contact with him, though, uh, so play his music. Aye. And now, for another edition of Nigel's News Nuggets with Nigel P. Monaco and breaking news reporting from an undisclosed location. Greetings, all. Nigel P. Monaco here in hiding. I'm embedded with some desperate refugees who now face an impending invasion which promises sweeping devastation of a few particular species by a poison-wielding despot and his merciless minions. Why, down through the ages, my own Monaco family has been decimated to near annihilation by such ruthless tyrants bent on causing the complete eradication of these species, those that they deem as inconvenient pests, fleas, ticks, spiders, and, yes, rodents, including yours truly. Huddled masses yearning to be free. For when mere words become pointless, then actions must be taken. And so I remain Nigel P. Monaco, reporting from an undisclosed location. Boy, what got into him? Uh, think about it, mon ami. I just said I'd call the exterminator to get rid of the fleas and the ticks. That's what they do, right? They get rid of bugs? Uh, what else? Well, sometimes... Bats in your attic or something, or, or different kinds of vermin, like rats or squirrels or my... Ah, oh, the lights come on. Oh, boy, Nigel, no, 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 that, that, that's not why I called him. Nigel, I would never hurt... We know that, lad, but Mosey thinks he's about to be... Well, it's not going to happen. I, I won't let that happen. Well, call the exterminator back, then. Oh, you bet I will. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. Too late. He's here. Well, what now, monsieur? Well, we have to stop here and sort this out before our next episode can continue. That's obvious. And so, uh, join us next time to find out... What happens when Cato the Baby Eagle arrives in America? And what happens when an exterminator arrives at our door? Tune in again next time for the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, a Playful World Ministries production. And taken from the amazing books of Miss Jenny L. Cote. You can find them all on her website, epicorderofthe7.com. And always remember, especially you, Nigel, wherever you are, you, you are, are loved and you, you are, are able. able. Au revoir. <laughs>